Let's get to the number one tip for beginner runners. And that number one tip is... Hello and welcome to the Race Mob Podcast. This is episode number 24. I'm Kevin, entrepreneur, technology and fitness nerd, and the founder of Race Mob. I'm joined by master motivator, founder of Too Legit Fitness, co-chair of the Taji 100, RRCA certified coach, USA track and field certified official, the incomparable Bertrand Newsom. We're really excited to bring this discussion to you guys and bring you guys these 17 tips for beginner athletes. We had posted this question in a number of different Facebook groups and got over 800 different comments from people wanting to share their favorite tips for beginners. And so I tallied them together. I put, pulled my spreadsheets out, kind of made, you know, these, <laughs> you know, the time that we're living in today. <laughs> we're looking at trend lines. We're looking at, at votes that are happening. We are conglomerating everything together. And we are bringing you today the 17 top tips that runners want to share with beginner runners. And I think a lot of these... If you're running today and, and know what you're doing, a lot of these you may already know, but some of them may be reminders, some of them may be a different way of looking at things. And so really wanted to share this with you guys. And you know, this is a very high level look at all these different tips. We'll share a couple of different stories and, and the tips themselves. But if you want to go deeper or dive deeper into any of these, we'll be coming out with more content, more information in the future. And you can always feel free to ask us questions but we will be there to help you guys implement these different tips in your own training routine and help you grow in your running journey. This episode is brought to you by Race Mob, an inclusive community for endurance athletes. If you like our podcast, you'll love our YouTube channel where we keep you up to date with news from the running world and give you tips that will help you improve your running. Check us out by searching Race Mob on YouTube and subscribe today. So excited to have this Thank you, B, for joining me in this discussion today. Yeah, my pleasure. Great list, man. And uh, way to put the questions out to a running community and this the overwhelming feedback we got and you breaking down, you know, over <laughs> 800 <laughs> entries and sorting it out into 17 informative, shareable nuggets of information. Let's get started. All right. Without further ado, we'll get started right off the top. Number 17, we have. Staying safe and being aware of your surroundings. This was fairly down on the list. I was kind of surprised that this was so far down there, but I think, you know, many runners have figured this out over the years, have kind of figured out how to stay safe on the runs, how to plan routes out in advance, how to let other people know where they're running to and, and where they're running about. So this was definitely one of those things we had Jenny Hansen chime in and say, of all the things, I truly recommend being aware of your surroundings. And so, you know, it's not only knowing the trail and being aware of where you're running and, and you know, being safe out there, but it's also just making sure that you're aware of cars on the road when you're crossing streets, just being aware of everything that's going around you. Because the number one thing is we want you to be safe out there in all cases. Yeah, reflective gear, running with the pet, running with the running buddy making sure you let a significant other or friend or family member know where you're headed and what time you're going to be back. So in the event that you're, you're running late, that they know that something might be up. If you have the opportunity to carry a whistle with you as well, especially when you're on remote trails, sometimes you may encounter wildlife or in some urban cities, there might be some transit or homeless as well. You may stumble upon having a, a whistle. Just be aware of your surroundings and then listening to your your intuition, listening to your spidey sense as well. Sometimes you may come across individuals where you may just feel a little off and maybe just being a little bit more aware of your surroundings will be in your best interest in the long run. Love it. Great tip. Tip number 16, getting access to professionals, whether that's professional PTs, chiropractors, massage therapists. Those are the types of people Holly Samuel recommended. Jimmy Allen talked about, obviously, a professional running coach. If you can afford one, a professional running coach, professional dietitian. And, you know, it's so interesting that this is so far down the list because I do think that sometimes people think that they're out of their budget, right? They think that they're too expensive, that you couldn't possibly afford a running coach. And that's one of the main reasons why we wanted to bring 
our group training and race mob around, right? We wanted to make it more affordable, more accessible, have Coach B be available for any questions that you might have along the way. Make sure that you're getting everything answered. If if you feel a sudden pain or twinge or you need to change up your training or you need some motivation or people around you to you know cheer you along, that's why we have we have race mob. So I found it super interesting that it was this far down on the list, but you know, love the fact that people are thinking about getting professional help and having people that have already dug into the literature, the research, have experience, know-how, all of that to help you along your journey because it'll help you accelerate uh, much, much more quickly. And I will say this, even coaches have coaches or need coaches. You can never know too much. We're talking about your overall health and wellness and wanting to get the most out of your time. So saving yourself, bumping yourself on the head and sharing as much cumulative knowledge is only in your best interest. So, and there's a lot of free, wonderful information out there. And that's a lot of that we're able to provide as well. Absolutely. All right. Number 15. Number 15 is find a running club. Also kind of down on the list. I was, I was pretty surprised. <laughs> you know, Will Adams says, find a running club that inspires you. I found another quote that I thought was kind of funny, but it was from Steve Eccles that says, don't bother telling your non-running friends about your route, pace, elevation, new shoes, distance, because they won't be remotely interested, which is kind of the situation that I found myself into. And that's why I found a race mile, because I kept telling my friends, oh, I went out on a five-mile run, on an eight-mile run. Oh, how fun was that? And nobody cares. <laughs> None of my non-running <laughs> None of my non-running friends care at all. So find other people, you know, whether that's in person, which is fantastic. Cause if you can find people in person to go running with you, it will inspire you. It will motivate you. It will help you get those extra miles in that you'd never thought that you could. And if you can't find them in person, find them online. And we're here for you and we're here to cheer you guys on as well. Absolutely. So I mean, come on, B. You run one of the largest running clubs here in the, in the Bay Area. <laughs> you must agree with this 100%, right? <laughs> 100% exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And it is more than the, about the workouts. The workouts is the bonus. It is the friendships, the ability to make the time pass as you're logging miles, the level of accountability, and just self-discovery running groups, fitness groups in general are absolutely fantastic. And I couldn't recommend them enough. Some of my closest friends on earth is because of my affiliation with various running groups. I wouldn't know the gentleman right here, my <laughs> dear friend, Kevin, without belonging to a running group and being part of an expanded running community. So in many cases, they are free of charge. In the case of Too Legit, it's just effort. That's the currency physical effort, and then sharing. We want you to share your journey and the same thing within Race Mob or any other community that you happen to be a part of from a fitness perspective. Share what you enjoy, share your workouts, give some props and love and respect to your fellow teammate or teammates in other clubs as well. Only helps uh, show the beauty of why the running community is so special. Absolutely. Number 14, and I think it's down here just because of the times that we're living in right now, but there were a number of responses that talked about races, incorporating races. And, you know, I think if we were out of pandemic times, probably this would be much higher. I know that we just talked to Bob Anderson from Runner's World, and he just talked about how, you know, without a race, your running is just, it's just like practicing. And you're, it's not like you're going to the main event. You know, the races are the main events. They're, they're so much fun. They're so inspiring. There's so much energy there. I know Jake McCluskey, when we interviewed him, one of his biggest pieces of advice was just go sign up for a race. Just go out there and sign up for something because that gives you something to have as a goal, something to strive for. And so I think there are a number of people that talked about finding races. You know, obviously there was a lot of advice around races, not doing anything on race day that you haven't tried before. There was, you know, talking about dialing in your nutrition dialing in your hydration plan, dialing all of that before race day. And so, you know, obviously we can help you guys with a lot of race day advice. Bertrand's been to over 300 races. <laughs> he's, he's got this dialed in. He's helped countless people on race day. And so we really want to help you on race day and virtual race day as well, because there's a lot of nuance to virtual races, especially if you want to uh, run a great time during your virtual race. But yeah, incorporate races. 
they're part of the the fun of being able to go out on these runs is being able to also then experience what it's like on race day and having that all of that fun from all that training, letting it all pay off on on race day. So love this advice. Well said, Kev. Well, number 13 on our list is dialing in nutrition. And I think part of it is the fact that you can't outrun bad nutrition. Shannon and Jennifer offered this advice and they were laughing because they said, I'm offering this advice while I'm eating all of my children's Halloween candy right now. So, you know. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so uh, take it with a grain of salt, <laughs> you know. And Us a bag runners, of chips. We love to yeah. eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We love to eat. Yeah. We love, Remember you know. <laughs> the virtual New York uh, marathon, the aid station you yes. came upon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Man, I was hitting the wall during this virtual, you know, the New York virtual marathon with Bertrand. And so I sat down at the aid station. I ate everything. <laughs> I ate everything. I cleaned them out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Good times. Oh, man. It's so much fun. We had another person, McCoy, say, don't eat fried crap before your run. So maybe that's some advice for uh, Matt Fitzgerald and and Atlanta and whatnot, because I heard that he (laughs) ate all sorts of fried crap and still went out and crushed the course. So, you know, I guess to each their own, some people can deal with it a little bit better than others. But dialing in your nutrition, understanding what your goals are, if your goals are to lose weight, running alone won't help you lose weight, right? You will have to at some point, understand nutrition, understand the amount of calories that you're burning for those runs and figure out for yourself, is it worth eating those extra calories, you know, from a sugary snack or whatnot? Or would you rather feel amazing from that amazing run and and kind of dial that in a little bit more? So nutrition is extremely important. Cannot outrun a fork. Can't outrun a fork. Can't outrun a fork, you know? And I think one of the key strategies that we teach in our running fundamentals course and to newer athletes is to spend a week or two logging what you eat. Not saying that we have to put you on a diet, not saying that you know you have to follow anything strictly, but just log it. Just understand how many calories this banana is, how many calories this candy bar is, how many calories these vegetables are. When you just log it for a couple of weeks, you better understand you know, what you are putting in your body from a calorie perspective, from macronutrients perspective. And, you know, then you can still make the choices that you want to make later on, but just do it for a couple of weeks and see, see if that makes a change for you. I know for me, it's made a, a tremendous change when I've done it in the past. We're getting to number 12 and, you know, runners have a funny sense of humor. That is for sure. (laughs) <laughs> but this one is this one is very very serious. So a number of people, about three percent of people commenting in, they talked about bathroom habits and particularly making sure that you go number two before you go running. So you know William Hawkins says make sure you have a poo before you run. John Evans says under no circumstance are you to fart after mile six. So you know we've got some funny people in the crowd. We have some funny people sending funny memes, funny, funny uh, gifts out there. You know, there's some, there's some funny things going on. But And we had a funny story from Becky Hernandez during the Chicago Marathon that relates to this. You know, it can get quite uncomfortable out there if you don't express your bowels before you go out there. So there's a number of techniques that you can use. I don't know if you've heard of a squatty potty. Have you heard of a squatty potty, Bertrand? Do you not. know what that is? It's the first time here. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll do an episode on bathroom habits. I've, I've definitely heard some on some of these health podcasts, but squatty potty, basically the human body, the anatomy is meant so that we squat when we go number two, your knees kind of above your stomach and above your chest. And so they have these devices. Uh, Shark Tank, I think I saw yeah, this on. Shark perhaps. Tank, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have one of the best like uh, commercials of all time with this unicorn, but basically it puts you in the right position so that these muscles kind of open up and relax a little bit more and and make it a little bit easier to go. So there's all sorts of weird biohacking things. I don't know if you've heard of like coffee enemas and other stuff. There are ways definitely to help you make sure that you go so that you don't have to in the middle of your run because it can be rough out there depending on where you're running and where you're going. Or if you're running in a more cosmopolitan area, then you can probably find a bathroom stop here or there. It's not that big of a deal, but just funny that a lot of runners have run into this problem and decided to share it. 
maybe a little tougher now because of the pandemic and COVID. There are less public bathrooms open in metro areas and uh, cosmopolitan areas. That's true. All right, let's get on to number 11. Number 11, a lot of runners wanted to talk about hydration. Gloria talked about when she started running, she wished that somebody had told her what to eat and how to hydrate during and after her first half marathon. So she said that she ran into a complete disaster during that run, that the hydration plan wasn't there. We had talked to Will Turner, world record-setting Ironman athlete who was hospitalized during his first ever half marathon because of hydration or lack thereof of hydration, you know, skipping all of those water stops because he saw a little kid run past him and and was wanted to be macho and, and didn't want to stop for water. So, and then ended up in the hospital. So hydration is extremely important. And the thing to note is it's not just water. For everyone, the hydration plan can be a little bit different, but electrolytes, salt, those are extremely important. I know for me, especially if I'm getting up past 17, 18 miles, even 15 miles, if I don't have enough salt, electrolytes, salt pills, salt caps I sometimes bring with me, if I don't have enough of those, I will start to cramp. Muscles will start to contract. It's just understanding your water ratio, how much water you need per mile or per you know, half hour per hour that you're out there running. And what do you need electrolyte wise? And make sure that you have that with you. I think that's all important. Great advice. Awesome. Okay, let's get to number 10. Number 10 is about running form. This is about 4.3% of people talked about running form. You know, Peter said, if you start out with bad running form, it's going to be harder to break in the long run. Making sure that you have form from the very beginning is crucial. Dorian kind of echoes that same, same thought. He says, form, all capital letters. It's everything. Make sure you're running with proper form from the very beginning. It'll help you avoid injuries. It'll help make sure that you're running efficiently, that you're not going to have to retrain yourself when you realize that your form is off. So I think this is interesting that it's so far down on this list. And I think it's so far down here probably because most runners have never actually had their running form analyzed. And maybe most runners have not really looked up videos on what proper running form is and how you should probably be running. But it's been a decade of running and I just recently got my running form analyzed, right, from Coach Jay. And he says that I've got a lot of room for improvement. And that's after years and years of watching running videos and kind of understanding how cadence should work, how quickly I should be stepping from step to step, where I should be landing on my feet, kind of understanding it from an outsider's perspective. But until you actually get it analyzed and have somebody kind of frame by frame break it down. And even then, what I've heard is that your running form can break down even more when you start getting tired. So when you only have recordings of, you know, you starting out and thinking about running form, that's also very different from people recording you mid-race or late in races and understanding and, and breaking that down with you and helping you focus on things that can come naturally to you. So running form, super interesting. Yeah. runners are all different shapes and sizes and body weights. And for me, I'm 6'1", and range between 190 to 205, depending where I'm at fitness-wise. Your running economy, especially for larger runners, efficiency is everything. When you're looking at larger distances like the half marathon and marathon, running economy, running efficiency, top half of your body versus lower torso, very important. And there are a lot of running shops that will offer free running analysis. Also, running coaches as well. So there are a lot of options for you just to gain a better understanding of your own individual running form. It pays dividends for the balance of your running career. Fantastic advice for beginner runners and I think intermediate advanced runners to concentrate on, take a look at. And yeah, having great running form, again, will help you run more efficiently, but more importantly, it'll help you run injury-free. And that I think is something that we get to later in the countdown is, you know, how do you avoid injuries? How do you make sure as a beginner that you're going to be able to run for a long, long time and, you know, not drop out at any early point in time. All right. We are in our top 10. That was our number 10. So here we go. Number nine. Number nine was echoed by a lot of people throughout all of the discussions. And that is don't compare. Don't compare yourself with other people. Don't compare yourself maybe with your past and what you were able to do five, 10 years ago. I know I'm kind of running that problem right now. It's, it's like, oh, 10 years ago, I used to just be able to bang these things out, be much quicker. I was lighter. I was faster. I was all those things. But it's, it's not about 
jumping back into the shape that you used to be at, at one point. It's realizing where you are right now and realizing that every run out there, every step that you can take can help you get better from this point forward and not comparing yourself with other people and what other people might do and how fast other people might run or you know how many races other people might be able to do because we're all individually different. It takes us each a while for our anatomy to adapt, to build things up. And so it's important to just not compare yourself with other people and not compare yourself, period. Run your race. A couple of very experienced runners shared that with me. And sometimes it's tough to do, but always the best approach to stay within where you're at and set your own goals. Michael Graham says, set your own benchmarks, pace, goals, and then share the joys when you make um, each of those achievements. And I remember Becky Hernandez being on our podcast and her words still echo in my head all the time, which is, you know, your all is different from my all. And so don't be comparing your all with everybody else's. Give what you can, give what you can in every given day. And that's enough. That'll always be enough. And so I love that piece of advice to just not, not try to compare yourself with what other people are doing. Number eight has to do with schedules and tracking. And this is something funny for, you know, beginner runners is, you know, oftentimes when we begin, we just kind of go out there when the weather looks nice or when it feels right or, you know, those types of things. But there are many of us who need that consistent schedule or need to have something on the calendar to motivate us to get out of bed, right? To make sure that we're not missing workouts. And sometimes we need that push. We need a little bit of that motivation. And so the schedules, I think, are pretty important. The ability to track um, using tracking software like Strava, like Nike Run Club, like Garmin GPS, be able to measure and track progress using those tracking tools. And then uh, there is a lot of comments around different types of workouts and scheduling different types of workouts. Speed work. Alex says, if someone calls you a fart lecker, don't try to ask them to fight. That's a little running joke here. A lot of experienced runners or people who have been running for a while they would advise you to start scheduling different types of workouts to mix it up. And you'll also see progress a lot faster if you're able to mix in different types of runs, whether that's the really long, slow, easy runs or those speed workouts or hill workouts. Not only will you see major progress, but it'll kind of keep your mind moving, you know, and keep you thinking and kind of keep you motivated. So pretty fun advice here. We'll get to number seven here. Number seven is around strength training. I was kind of surprised it was, it's getting higher, you know, right? It gets higher um, as you go along this list. For me, I know strength training has been a major game changer. I don't know. Do you have any stories about strength training, B? Yeah, I mean, I've always enjoyed the gym. I do feel that strength training spikes my metabolism. It allows me to address my core and core Strength is very important from a running perspective and helping sustain good running posture and reinforces those joints and ligaments, especially as you start to build up your cumulative mileage in preparation for half marathons and marathons. Very good stuff. Absolutely. For me, when I finally ran the San Francisco Marathon, and this was a number of years after I had been running marathons, I was able to train and get up to being able to run a marathon in 10 weeks, I think. And it was because of all the strength training that I had been doing, right? All the barbell, like squatting, deadlifts, you know, all of the lunges, single leg squats, and all of those types of things. They really do help you build your bone density, your ligament strength, and they help you a tremendous amount because your body is strong enough to propel you forward quicker. You know, I think a lot of people have talked about strength training in terms of helping them prevent injuries, which it 100% from the research, from everything that we've read, it 100% does. And as you mentioned, it helps you with metabolism, right? I think you build more muscles, which means with more muscles, you burn more calories, even with a resting heart rate, even during the middle of a day. So definitely strength training is, is super interesting. One of the comments that we got from Lord Wood was she thinks that she was doing too much running and probably not enough strength training. And she ended up popping her left ACL twice while snowboarding. And I was like, ah, oh, wow, yeah. that's rough. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So we got a number of, of people commenting about injuries, different types of ligament damage and, and this and that. And so 
definitely help protect yourself by doing the strength training, by building those legs up. You're going to feel a little bit sore, but it's important. All that strength training is important. And not just lower body, core, I think is really, really important. Getting in the upper body, those push-ups that we're doing on uh, hammer time workouts on Wednesdays, they're great. They help you both with the midline, but also kind of with that upper body and, and strength there. So making sure that you're doing the full body, obviously glutes, glute bridges, you know, and you don't have to have heavy weights either. Resistance bands are great. Body weight is great. We've got a number of great workouts that you can do just with your body weight, just with like different things that you have around your house with chairs and, and other things. We've talked to Arena and Arena's helping us with some strength workout exercises as well. But if you're interested in incorporating strength training in your workouts, definitely come email us, uh, reach out to us, figure out what we're doing on a consistent basis on our side. If you have access to dumbbells, great. If you have access to barbells, even better. There are a number of different lifts that you can do with a barbell that will help you improve tremendously in your running and just with you know everyday mobility and, and everything else. So strength training. Yeah, Kevin, good stuff. Number six, and I had to combine a whole bunch of different things into number six because there's all sorts of different things. But number six is basically about the gear that you're using and the gear that you're wearing. There are a number of people, Maria Mendoza included, that talk about not wearing cotton socks. And I was like, oh, cotton socks? Okay. That's a new one for me. I know I do run in like running socks and I don't know why. I just kind of switched to them early on. But what happens if you run in, in cotton socks? Maria talked about her first marathon and just coming out of it with blisters galore. I think it was a half marathon. She had worn cotton socks and she just had blisters, 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 blisters. You know, people joke about a lot of these different things, not only about socks, but the shirts that you wear, um, the shorts that you wear. Sometimes Ruth Williams wanted to say that you need a decent sports bra for those ladies out there. A lot of people talk about anti-chafing sticks. You know, I know that I definitely have them for my long runs and making sure that I'm rubbing the anti-chafing in everywhere that you might be rubbing. So that includes your inner thighs, that includes the outsides of your feet, insides of your feet as well. It includes your nipples. You know, there's all the jokes about like nipple tape and, you know, (laughs) band-aids and the things that people use to protect them. But that's a real thing. That's a real thing. If you're wearing a cotton shirt and you're going out for a long Run, yeah, yeah, ouch. (laughs) That's all I'm gonna say. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. So just making sure that you're wearing the right gear. You know, obviously, running such an accessible sport, you don't need a ton of gear. You don't need a ton of different things. In fact, a lot of people commented that you know, bring less stuff with you. You don't have to bring everything with you. You know, especially if you got things dialed in or know how to kind of loop back and. And, you know, come back for hydration breaks or nutrition breaks or those types of things. But making sure that you're bringing and wearing things that are not going to rub against each other, even those packs and everything, just being aware of that, because the worst thing that can happen is like, you know, getting these rashes and getting like, yeah. So I think a lot of people have stories about that. Also, while we're on the topic, if you are running with a dog, being aware of the equipment that you're using with the dog. So I had bought like a dog harness when I was running with Kia for the first years and I didn't realize it, but it was chafing her on the other underside of her belly. And you know how dogs are, they don't tell you right, that they're hurting or injured or anything like that. And it wasn't until after the run that I saw that she was looking down there that I saw that it had cut into her a little bit. And so be aware of these types of things, you know, making sure that you have the proper equipment, not only for yourself, but if you're running with a friend or an animal running with them. So proper gear, proper gear. Are you enjoying the show? Help us out by sharing the podcast. You can win some cool prizes like headbands, wristbands, training programs, shoutouts, and more. Especially if you're part of an existing running group, online community, or have friends that you think will enjoy the show. Get your personal referral link at racemob.com slash referral. Number five. Number five on the list. Foam rolling. Recovery. Coach, you probably deal with this a lot. I know you deal with this with your athletes a lot, trying to get this into their heads. Yeah, it's important. It's the little things. I mean, a lot of times we focus on the big time utilizers and putting in the actual work. All too many times we don't focus on the subtleties of recovery. And what are those tools of recovery? Post-workout to stretch and then utilizing some simple devices like a foam roller, exercise stick, massage gun. Those things can help you speed up your recovery and make you run more comfortable 
less discomfort into your workout, improving your running experience, and more apt to stay on schedule versus taking a day or two off and helps your running economy and and achieve those goals quicker than you would otherwise if you are not doing those things and utilizing these. And there's so many tools out there, but you know, stretching, foam roller, very simple, very affordable, and very versatile. And just echoing what you're saying, right? So much of your gains are going to be realized during the recovery process. You know, the whole, the run, the workouts, you know, I do a lot of CrossFit and lifting and those types of things. The workouts are meant to break your muscles down, to break your body down, you know, in some ways or some effect. And it's breaking it down. It's when your body builds it back up that it ends up building it back up stronger. But if you don't give your body that ability to recover, we didn't talk about supplements when we talked about the nutrition, but if you don't give it the proper supplements, if you don't understand your diet right, if you don't help your body recover properly, then it won't build it back up as strong as it can build it back up. So if you follow a lot of CrossFit athletes or other high-performing professionals, they always talk about recovery and the recovery phrase and the different tools that they use from they, they, a lot of them use scrapers to help you know move around the scar tissue and whatnot. A lot of them use foam rollers massage guns to get cold therapy cryotherapy cold therapy cryotherapy is huge yeah we didn't even talk about yeah the the hot right saunas and cold therapy here cold showers (laughs) you know ice baths ice baths absolutely yeah there's a lot of physiological benefits to putting your body into these different different states and it's hugely beneficial to your metabolism when you can shock your body with cold showers. There's a lot of research out there. And if you really, really are interested in losing weight, I've done this for years and it sucks, especially now that it's wintertime. But you know, at the end of my shower, usually the last minute, I will turn it to the coldest setting and I will scream and <laughs> be in there. But if you want to turn up your metabolism by quite a bit, that's one way to do it. And there's a lot of different benefits to your immune system, to a lot of other things as well. So yeah. Great tips, right? Ice there. baths. Yeah. <laughs> Great tips. You know, we talked to like Seth Demore. He talked about his slant board. We've talked about plantar fasciitis. So there's just a lot, you know, stretching, yoga, all of these things are important to elongate your muscles, to elongate your tendons, to your ligaments, to make sure that you don't get injured in the long run. You know, we've had a number of athletes. Marco reached out and he said, stretch, because during his first half marathon, he had cramps and pulled a muscle within the first six miles, I think, of the race. So, you know, and then he had to pull out of the race altogether. So it is making sure that your body's right and can then perform during the races and stretching, foam rolling, making sure that you're recovering. All of that is extremely important. We're getting down to number four, number four on the list. And it's so interesting here. We'll, we'll talk about the, the dynamic here from like one, two, three, and, and, and into four. But I think for beginner runners, you're either going to run into kind of two camps. One camp is you're going to find it difficult to find the motivation to get up and get out there. And then the other camp might be, man, you are loving this. You are loving this so much that we need to pull you back. (laughs) We need to rein you in a little bit and make sure that you don't overdo it. So number four is listening to your body and making sure that you don't overdo it. Kevin Spencer says, don't overdo it. Pushing hard every single time is going to lead to aches, to soreness, to things that are going to knock you out of commission and make sure that you listen to your body. Kate Beekler also says, follow a training schedule and do not increase your mileage too quickly. She says that in all caps. So my bet is there's probably a story there. (laughs) There's always stories here about not listening to your body. We hear it all the time. I've got a couple of stories for sure. I told you just a minute ago about my 10-week training plan for a marathon. That wasn't the best plan at the end of the day. I was able to finish the marathon in a little under nine-minute miles, but it wasn't until the next day or the day after that I realized I had a stress fracture in one of my feet. So, hey, overuse injury, right? By not training it up, by not having bones in the right places of my feet that were strong enough to withstand that pressure. It happened to me once before too. I think I had another stress fracture on the outside of my foot when I ran a half marathon without much training and just did it within like a two or three week training period. So I'm acutely aware of this. I've done this to myself before. I think 
a lot of runners have done this to themselves when they've got like a goal or they have something that they want to do and their body is just not ready to do it. And that's why making sure that you listen to your body. Yeah, you're channeling your inner David Goggins. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, man. (laughs) We all, you know, it's crazy, right? It's crazy. (laughs) And there are a couple of stories here that I love to share as well. If you guys want to listen to Will Turner's podcast, he's got a great one about a knee injury. Tina Toomey, who is the fittest woman on earth, CrossFit champion for the last four years, she has a story on her YouTube channel where she had a little bit of pain in her back and she ignored it and she fought through it and she fought through it for six months. She just kept fighting through it and fighting through it. And it ended up just causing a huge injury that knocked her out of commission for, I believe, a year or a year and a half. Right. And so, And the doctor had said to her, had you taken two weeks off when you first felt this pain, that's all you would have needed. It would have healed in two weeks. Wow. Right. But instead, you try to push through it for six months. And now we've got a huge problem. And now we've got to sit you down and take you out of the sport for a long period of time. Right. A lot of us run into this issue where we think we can fight through it. We think that there are things that are just nagging industries or, you know, things that we can fight through. and oftentimes they can lead to bigger things. And that's where I think also having access to experts, having access to people that can take a look at it, diagnose it, help you kind of figure out, is this something small that you can fight through or is this something larger that you should be doing something else? And that's why, you know, sports, physical therapists, their goal is not to always sit you down on the couch, right? Their goal is to get you out there as soon as they can get you out there, right? That's like their whole job is, you know, if, if I'm working for a football organization or a soccer team or whatnot, my whole job would be to take you, take the injury as I know it and get you back out there as soon, as safely as I possibly could, right? So having access to those types of professionals, especially when you just have these types of questions is, is important when you run into these issues or you have these questions. So listen to your body. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> listen to your body. Let's get to number three. Number three is about motivation. Number three is about staying motivated. And so again, there's this juxtaposition between four, which was, okay, pull it back, rein it in, (laughs) make sure that you don't injure yourself. And number three, which I think a lot of beginners really struggle with. And we talked about this a bit during our Unleash the Beast webinar, that it's important for you to have intrinsic motivation to do the workout, that the exercise is inherently to you fun or meaningful in some way. And if it's not fun or it's not meaningful, either you're not doing the right workout for you, maybe you're not doing it right, or you haven't found a way to make it fun and interesting and exciting for you, right? For me, I'm always thinking when I go on run about how much fun my dog's going to have, how much she lights up, her smile, the energy, the amount of all of that that she brings to the table. I always also think about the podcast that I'm going to be able to listen to, the music that I'm going to be able to listen to. How am I going to actually just have fun during this workout? How do I make it not painful, not right? And that's by slowing down. That's by making sure that you're having a good time, that the exercise itself is fun. That's sometimes why, you know, running with social groups and, and with a community makes it more fun, more interesting, more exciting. I think. A lot of number three is just about finding motivation for you, finding what makes it interesting for you. And if you can't find it, you know, and sometimes it's like, oh, because you're progressing, that will motivate you. Maybe it's because, again, you can listen to music. Maybe it's sometimes because you can have time for your own thoughts. Maybe, you know, you get to go on that walk and just have time to think and reflect and be away from stresses and and all of that. But it's important for you to enjoy that exercise. If you can't find a way to enjoy it, then you'll never keep doing it. I think that's one of the pieces of advice everybody has for new runners. I mean, we talked about this again during our Unleash the Beast webinar, just finding your why, you know, and being able to visualize and see a happier version of yourself, a healthier version of yourself. And what is it going to take looking inward to keep you motivated. And again, it can be time-based, it can be distance-based, but that's all surface. You know, it needs to be maybe a deeper meaning. And it's different for all of us, you know, but just 
comment your thoughts in trying to find out what that trigger for you is to keep getting after it. You know, we've seen with so many of our podcast guests, their ability to stay motivated. So again, that's a plug to check out our podcast as well. <laughs> if you're looking for some really fantastic motivation by some incredible individuals that, you know, just like us, normal, everyday folks, blue collars, just looking to make tomorrow better than yesterday. Number two, number two on our list, and it's been echoed time and time and time and time again, is definitely one of the top recommendations that I've always given to new runners, and that's to find running shoes that fit your feet, that fit your body, making sure that you get fitted by a specialist in many cases, right? And I think this is where it becomes challenging because there are a group of people that have neutral feet can fit into a lot of different running shoes and be just fine and can run just perfectly fine in, you know, a wide array of shoes. And then there is a number of people, you know, with wider feet, wider arches, with taller arches, with narrow feet, you know, different body types, different body sizes that need shoes that fit them and their body. And once they get into those shoes, they can help prevent a lot of injuries, a lot of pain, the knee pain, the foot pain, a lot of different uncomfortable things can happen if you're not in the right running shoes. You know, we had a number of people talk about losing their toenails because they weren't in the right running shoes. We had a number of people talking about getting a size or a size and a half up from what they wear other shoes in, which I thought was really interesting. I had not heard that before, but, you know, Araj from Too Legit was talking about how much your feet can swell during longer races or longer runs and making sure that you have enough toe box room for your feet in all of those cases. And that's why it's so important to see a foot specialist, right? When we talked to Chris Shannon on our podcast, he told us that a lot of the time, people just aren't even in the right size of shoe, let alone the right type of shoe, right? And we were talking about size of shoe. So, you know, either too big a shoe and your foot sliding around in there or too small of shoe and, and your foot doesn't have room to expand. We were talking about pronation, supination. So are you landing on the outer sides of your feet, the inner sides of your feet? A lot of times that has to do with the size of your arch, how flat your arch is or how much arch you have in your foot. You know, are you a midfoot striker? Are you currently heel striking? You know, what, where are you landing? So that a lot of times the shoes and the rockers that are there can help you with the impact if your form is not quite there yet. And obviously, there are proponents of minimalist shoes. There are proponents of cushioned shoes. There are proponents of switching shoes out if you can afford it and you have the time and the ability. But a lot of people had advice around shoes. And the number one tip from those people that had advice around shoes is getting fit in the right pair of shoes. We talk about this all the time, right? Running is the most accessible sport probably in the world. But the one thing that you do need is a good pair of shoes. That is the one thing that you should absolutely get. Yeah, that's you're gonna almost drop the mic there. We haven't. Uh, we know what number <laughs> one is right around the corner here, but yes, yeah, shoes are incredibly important. Tied to running form, which Coach Jay Ridgeway referenced. I know he's a big fan of Newton running shoes. All right, four right. foot landing, as is Joyce Lee. You know who's a, a representative for them as well. But seeing a professional, you know, just getting fitted, you can do that in many cases at local running shops, and they'll do that for free and. Yes, just more information for you to your benefit and will help your running journey. It'll help you run, again, happier, longer, healthier, skipping less workouts and realizing progress sooner than later. Absolutely. I didn't realize this before I started running, actually, but there are running shoes, <laughs> right? Like I used to run in like tennis shoes or court shoes or cross training shoes, and they're different. Running shoes, just, just like you walk differently, just like you shuffle side to side differently, you're meant to land on a different part of your foot when you're running. And so running shoes are meant to give you the right type of cushion and to propel you forward. Make sure that you are in running shoes, the right type of running shoes, and you will prevent a lot of injuries. You're going to have more fun. And people had a lot of different advice too that we don't often talk about when we talk about running shoes. One around expiration date for running shoes. So Paul Fukuma talked about running shoes expires, they, you know, have a mile limit, and they may still look great, but they might not have the tread anymore, they may no longer be supportive. 
So keeping track of the mileage that you've been keeping the shoes in, I think the recommendation is somewhere between like 300, 400. Some people get away with 500 miles, but depends on the shoes, right? Like those alpha flies might be 200. So keeping track of mileage, knowing when to switch your shoes in or out, and along with the expanding feet, there are also different types of ways to tie your shoes that, you know, we can get into. But, you know, people talk about double knotting shoes to make sure your laces aren't around. But there is a runner's knot, something that we can link to that basically allows the laces to expand a little bit more when you're running, keeps them not as tight. And it's something to think about when runners, especially elite athletes are running, they often don't tie their shoes that tight. They tie them fairly loose. And that is because those feet swell. Something to to think about. Obviously, you know, elite athletes aren't going to bend over and tie their shoes. So they make sure that they are tying them loose enough, well enough so that they don't come undone over time. Let's get to the number one tip for beginner runners. And that number one tip is to slow down and that it's okay to take walk breaks. I know this is 100% a tip that applied to me when I was first starting. I think I've told you this a million times, but you know, I tried to go running probably like three or four different times over the course of a decade of thinking like, okay, running's good for the body. And every time I would go out for a run, whether that's half a mile or, you know, a mile or twice around the block, I would come back winded. I would come back with feet in pain and swollen because I didn't have the right shoes, but I would always come back and disliked the run, disliked my time out there because I was going too fast and my lungs were burning and the rest of my body hated it, right? And so I think the thing that long distance runners end up loving is when you slow down and allow your mind to wander or catch up or not be so focused on driving forward. And if you slow down, you can actually enjoy your time out there. You can actually just be out there. And that might mean walking, right? For a lot of us, when we first begin, that might mean not really jogging, not really running, right? That might be at a pace. Again, we talk about this a lot, but conversational pace is extremely important for beginners. Realizing that the majority of your runs should be at this comfortable conversational pace, at this very, very comfortable pace that you don't even have to think that you're running too fast. And so slow down. I think that there's a great graphic from Matt Fitzgerald that he shared recently on Facebook. Matt Fitzgerald, author of 20 plus books, also a podcast guest. And it went into the difference between elite athletes and regular athletes. Matt Fitzgerald, also the author of the 80-20 rule, he talked about how elite athletes are spending 80% of the time running comfortable pace, easy pace, and that your everyday athlete is spending 50 to 60% of the time running at a fast pace, at a quick pace. And that's not at all how elite athletes train. So there's so many comments about running slow to run fast, right? Who is it that we have here? Suzanne Mooser. I love this quote. She says, you have to create that base. You know, I'm all about that base, that base, that base, right? (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Slow down, create that base. You know, you shouldn't be in in a hurry to be running fast, be running these marathons, to be running these ultras. Becky Hernandez talks about at the beginning, it's not about how fast you can run because that, that will come to you over some point in time, right? It's all about amount of time spent on your feet and just spending more time on your feet, right? So can you spend 10 minutes today on your feet? Can you spend 20 minutes today on your feet? 30 minutes today on your feet? And don't worry so much about how fast you're going, the pace that you're going, but just that you are racking up some of this time on your feet and that will help you in the long run. Yes, that is exactly right. Uh, Sometimes less is more. Huge fan, huge proponent of Matt Fitzgerald, as you mentioned, one of our podcast guests and accomplished, acclaimed fitness author, triathlete, ultra marathoner, multiple time Boston finisher, Ironman, 80-20 rule. Love it. It's helped me personally. You know, someone who's run a little bit in my running career understanding the 80-20 principle and embracing running slower and having structured moments of when I'm picking up the pace, but 80% of my time being able just to run at a conversation pace and the 
physiological gains that your body is taking without getting beat up in the process. Because when you amp up the intensity, you amp up the wear and tear. And if you're doing that on a consistent basis, you find yourself in a constant state of fatigue. Yes, you can sustain gains while you're in a state of fatigue, but if you're constantly in that mode, there's diminishing returns and allowing your body to rest, which we talked about earlier on the list. Very important. As you mentioned, Kevin, muscle fiber breaking down. It needs time to repair. It can be elevated and enhanced when we're doing recovery, ice baths and foam rolling and things along the lines, good diet, et cetera, et cetera. But knowing when to say when, when to push, when to pull back, having a plan, and some cases having a coach, you know, being able to understand that, share that knowledge. And in many cases, you have very well-intended athletes that are mission-driven, but in some cases will run through a brick wall when they should just be pulling back. And knowledge is everything. And we want to be able to save people from reoccurring injuries, you know, from shin splints and plantar fasciitis and IT band issues and hip discomfort just by pulling back. Again, it's going to help your running journey in the bigger picture. So great list. 17 fantastic takeaways and good stories. More, More to come. Absolutely. Yeah, more to come. Just to make sure we beat this horse to death in, in some sense, Armando Rivera says patience. Yes. But yeah, just making sure that I guess we, we kind of live in a society in a time where we want everything to happen now, that we want to compare ourselves with other people and we want to be able to do extraordinary things in you know almost no time. But at the end of the day, these things take time. These things take effort. These things take work. And the most important thing is if you enjoy the process, you enjoy the journey, then the outcome is going to be all the more sweet. So don't skip on that journey. Make sure that you are enjoying it every step of the way. And if you do, you'll love the, the entire experience and everything that comes along with it. Thank you so much. Man, for tra- <laughs> you enjoyed this hour. It seemed like we just started. I want to keep on going, but we got to let our listeners get back to their lives. And we really hope you've enjoyed this time. And thank you all who've contributed to this list. Again, over 800 people shared their thoughts and feedback. And thank you, Kevin, for breaking down that wonderful information in this digestible format of 17 takeaways. And we'll have more conversation along these items. We'll drill down deeper, all in effort for all of us to enjoy our running experience. Thank you, Bertrand. And we will catch you guys again real soon. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Race Mob Podcast. Check out all of the show notes or find a running buddy online at racemob.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review. Until next time, keep on moving.